This episode has some language in it that is probably not safe for work. So go ahead and just quit your job now. And for some reason, like they took extra long and then they sent it back on a next day service that, that sat in the like delivery depot for a week. And oh, so no. my cameras weren't back in time for the wedding. And I was, I was like absolutely panicking. And I was like, well, I guess like I'll have to shoot on Fuji. Hey, I'm Dustin. And I'm Steve. Welcome back to the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast, the finest phototainment in the world. We are an irreverent look at photography. This podcast, like aspirin, will help you recover from your wedding hangover. And today, we're going to help out more than usual, I'd say, because we're actually joined by a third person. Today, we're, we're being joined by Kat Eckleboom-White. She is an adventure and elopement photographer from Austria, and she's also a Fujifilm X photographer. Um, Kat, how are you doing? I am good, thank you. How are you? We're doing fantastic wow. today here in Indiana. Not uh, we don't we don't have quite the lovely views that you were showing me before we started recording, but um, you know, doing as as good as we can without those. L- little under the weather, both me and Dustin here today, though. This is kind mm-hmm. of like a sick person podcast. I feel like <laughs> that's fine. I'm also like just getting over the flu, so I'm I'm with you on that sympathy I, flu. I just want our listeners to like get this mental image of all of us in like hospital beds, like, but we're still <laughs> trucking through microphones dangling over the hospital bed. Like, we're here for them. Yeah. We want to yeah. get this content out to the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Was, was that Dustin? I was, just, I was just like, I think we're all drinking just water today. Am I, am I yeah. right yep. in that? Yeah. yeah. Big yeah. glasses of water. Well, I mean, also for us, it's like 10 in the morning. So it'd be kind of weird if we were drinking beer this morning. Would it be though for us, Steve, like personally? Yes. Yes, it would be. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so typically we do like a segment at the beginning where we talk about like what people are drinking and everything. Today, I think it's just water for everybody. Uh, does anyone have tea or coffee? It's just water for me today. Yeah. 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 I'll have coffee after this. I had some ginger root tea earlier. That was very nice. Ooh. Yeah. It really Ooh, helped me when nice. I had the uh, the food poisoning a few days ago. So. Yeah, I was going to say, you look thinner. <laughs> oh, thanks, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a good food poisoning diet to really jumpstart 2020. So, Kat, you live in Austria. What, what part of Austria do you live in? Um, I live in the city of Innsbruck, which is right in the middle of the Alps. Mm-hmm. Mm, explains the beautiful view. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, your accent and also your website both make me think England. Yes. Specifically because yeah, your website um... said you come from England and moved to Austria. So uh, what caused you to move to Austria um, from England? The mountains, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um I, yeah, I grew up in like the flattest place in the UK and, um, it wasn't until I was in my twenties and I kind of came to the Alps on a snowboarding holiday. I was like, well, this is awesome. I went through my like mid midlife crisis around 25 where I like handed in my notice to my like good job that I had after university. I was like, I'm going to go and do a ski season. Um, and I never went back. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah, what, pretty what much. What was your, uh, your good job that you had after university? Um, 
I used to work in arts administration. So I was working for a big theatre doing fundraising for education projects. Oh, cool. Yeah, which was really, really cool in theory, except like I was the one that was like, I was basically working with a lot of corporate clients to get loads of money from them, but I never really got to be part of the education product uh, projects. So like it mm-hmm. sounded like a great job. And I used to sneak sometimes into the theater in the afternoons, like just go on an extended like break and just watch the shows, which was mm-hmm. fun. But yeah, a lot of the time it was a desk job. So I kind of coming from like an artistic background, I had a music degree and like, I just kind of, I didn't feel like I was getting to do anything artistic so yeah, quit it and move to the Alps. Nice. Which is a bit of a change of direction, yeah. but you know, it seems to work Steve out. Gets those feelings was... all the time. Yeah. So you had a music degree. What what sort of uh, musical instruments did you play, or did you sing, or? Um, I was a flute player and I was a composer. Oh wow! Yeah. Do you still yeah. compose or play the flute? Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> haven't haven't touched either of them for, for years. Um, kind of miss it, but I obviously don't miss it that much because I haven't done it since. Although, yeah, I don't really have the time these days. But, you know, I found my creative outlets in other ways. So that's mm-hmm. kind of kind of worked out fine. And you find photography fulfilling just like you found music earlier in life? Yeah, definitely. And I think in a lot of ways, I actually find it a lot less stressful. Yeah. Um, like certainly with music, I used to get like massive performance anxiety, oh, no. um, which was one of the reasons why I kind of, even though I like powered through it until I was like 21, mm-hmm. um, like all the way through university, like towards the end of that, I was just like, why would I put myself through this as a career when it's, it's such a cutthroat business anyway? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, I mean, I still get like terrified when I'm like shooting weddings and elopements and things, but at least like, I'm not the only, like, I'm kind of terrified that I'm going to fuck it up, but I know that the bride and groom are kind of also nervous that they're like, they've got to kind of show their good side too. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, Hey, we're all terrified. So this is fine. Let's just roll with it. Right. Like, There's three of us yeah. here and each one of us could fuck this up. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> So if one of us does fuck it up, let's just not be too mad. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, I'm just going to keep taking photos that at least there'll be a few keepers in there. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Sounds like uh, this past weekend we were shooting a wedding and um, we we recently made the switch to Sony. It's kind of like Fuji, but not. And... um, And I, I don't know why I feel this like need to tell brides or like you know, Hey, just so you know, we, we aren't terrible photographers. We just don't know how to use these cameras yet. And, um, <laughs> I don't say it like that, but I'm like, you know, just, so you know, we did switch cameras. So if we look like we don't know what we're doing, the buttons are just in different places and it's taking us like a half a second longer to just that muscle memory is just not yeah. quite there yet. And, um, the look on the bride's mom's face when we said that, Kryn, we got in the car after like the salon, like them getting ready. And she's like, I think the bride's mom thinks we don't know what we're doing now. And I'm like, <laughs> I meant it to be like a lighthearted, like, oh, yeah. hey, if we look like we're struggling. It's we're not kind of thing. And yeah, she's like, I think she thinks we don't know what we're doing. And I'm like, oh, shit. I need to like really prove ourselves now. <laughs> and I'm like, or do I just play up that we don't know what we're doing? 
So and then they'll just be super, super like pleased with the result. Yeah, they'll be like, like, "Oh my god, actually, wow. these are really good." Yeah, for someone who just got that camera yesterday, like they, they did okay. <laughs> so, Kat, you said that you switched over from Canon to Fujifilm about a yeah. year ago. Yeah. Did you have a learning curve like Dustin, where you were showing up at weddings not knowing how to use your cameras? <laughs> Um, a little bit like the first, the first wedding that I, that I shot with the Fuji was almost unintentional and uh, I'd bought a Fuji to kind of play around with personally. Um, and I'd sent, I had like a bit of a gap between two weddings and I'd sent my stuff off to Canon. I don't know if you have the same in the U S in Europe, you have the Canon professional services where you can send stuff off (laughs) and they do a service and a clean and I had loads of time. Um, so I sent stuff off to them. And for some reason, like they took extra long and then they sent it back on a next day service that that sat in the like delivery depot for a week. And oh, so no. my cameras weren't back in time for the wedding. And I was I was like absolutely panicking. And I was like, well, I guess like I'll have to shoot on Fuji. And so I shot with one Fuji body and I had the Canon 7D Mark II, which was my backup body. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't sent that to Canon. So I had... I had two different bodies and I was like, well, I know how to use both of these cameras, but they're not ones that I use all the time. Um, and actually that was the worst when I was like, I had, cause I always shoot with two bodies, mm-hmm. um, or most of the time. And that, that was weird kind of picking up the Canon where most stuff was the same on the 70 Mark II as it was on the 5D Mark IV. But then I'd pick up the Fuji and I was like, Oh, hang on. No, the focus levers in a slightly different place, even though they were kind of similar, um, and that was, yeah, because I do stuff like I don't focus recompose. I move my focus points. Mm-hmm. Like a um, professional. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Some people would disagree with that one, but <laughs> I would, I wouldn't be one of those. Um, but you know, it was so things, it was just things like that where I was just like, Oh, it just took me longer to like try and find the back, like without trying to look at, the, look at the camera to go, right. Where's the button? Just trying to like feel for it. And then you mm-hmm. sort of pressing the wrong button. You're going, Oh God. Like, yeah. So it, it, it was a little bit the, so the first kind of where I was on both one of each body, that was weird. But when I just decided to do hundred percent Fuji, just got a second Fuji body, it was actually pretty easy. Like the Fuji's because you're not having to search around in like menus and stuff, which I found was a little bit with Sony more. Mm-hmm. Um, I found everything with Fuji was pretty much on a button where you needed it or a dial. And it was really, really quick. The main difference I had with switching from S- as a DSLR to mirrorless was getting used to the different way of focusing. Um, the fact that a lot of the mirrorless cameras... I, I'm not techie, so I don't know exactly, but I believe a lot of the way mirrorless focuses on contrast, mm-hmm. um, autofocus. And so occasionally I'd get like back focusing if it was a really contrasty background and stuff. So trying to learn to work around that was, was a little bit of a learning curve, but yeah, I think now I'm pretty much, pretty much just used to it. And if somebody gives me a DSLR now, I'm just like, well, this thing's so complicated <laughs> <laughs> or a Sony, to be honest, even as the Sony baffles me, I don't know any mm-hmm. of the buttons what they do neither did we (laughs) yeah well and sony has like all the different like buttons you can like program and stuff yeah and so i have shot for dustin a few times on sony stuff and then i've shot for other people on sony stuff and it's like every person has their buttons configured differently so (laughs) it's like you can't even take your knowledge from like one sony camera to another when you're like shooting for different people because it can be a different setup every single time 
Oh, that's or fantastic. if you let somebody borrow one of your Sony cameras and then they change your buttons. <gasps> oh, oh, that's a, yeah. Yeah, a good friend of the show, Luke uh, McBride, borrowed one of my cameras and cha- uh, he changed the settings, which was fine uh, because he shoots a video with them. Yeah. And so he has one of the buttons where it switches to manual focus. And I was shooting the processional as they came into the ceremony and i accidentally hit that button and the camera switched over to manual focus um and i was like what did i hit what's going on and uh (laughs) so i shot the whole processional on manual focus and then i'm just like in the back of the church just trying to hit buttons to see how the hell to turn it off oh see yeah that's that yeah i mean i guess in some ways it's great that you can get buttons to do that but Oh yeah. yeah, I would be. That was one thing I hated. Like the for me, I don't know if any of you have this um, touch screen. I have to turn touch screen off because I touch stuff with my nose all the time, and end yeah. up like changing changing settings with my nose because I'm really? looking through the viewfinder instead of the screen. And so I was just like, right, I'm turning this touch screen off. Like I'm, you know, great modern technology, but no. <laughs> so which which Fuji are you shooting with currently? Um, my main Fuji's are the X-T3s. And then, so all of Fuji's are, um, crop sensor. None of them they are. They are. Yes. In that yeah. line. Got it. They are. Um, so yeah, I was chatting, um, a little bit about this before, uh, you came on. So like I used to be full frame Canon and like <coughs> when I switched to Fuji, I was slightly nervous about going down to crop sensor. Mm-hmm. But because I don't really ever shoot in churches, occasionally like darker, darker rooms getting ready and things. But I mean, yeah, okay. If you look on like computer screens and you get really nerdy about comparing it and looking at the noise and stuff, you maybe will notice a difference with a full frame. But to be honest, the Fuji's handle it pretty darn well in low light. So mm-hmm. yeah. it didn't bother me. And, and the images are, are still really great that come out of them. Yeah, I, I've seen some amazing stuff. Heck, I've been shooting more in the last month with my Sony a6500, which is Sony's like crop sensor camera yeah. than I ever thought I would be just because of the small form factor. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, these days, like I think for us as photographers, it's, it's very easy to get kind of caught up on like pixel peeping and stuff, especially when we're editing, because that's part of what we do when we edit, you know, we zoom in, we look at the details and stuff sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, but our clients are never going to do that. Like half the time you're lucky if they look at anything big, anything bigger than a laptop screen or their iPhone. Right. Um, you know, and I've, I've gone and printed out like up to a three size prints from, you know, pictures from my Fuji cameras and the detail and the quality of them is still amazing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I realized that it's good enough. <laughs> I think, I think that's the thing. Like sometimes it's like, oh, but it could be better. Um, uh, yeah, it could. I mean, I, so I just borrowed from Fuji their hundred megapixel GFX, um, medium format thing. And I mean, that was incredible. That camera, the details are amazing, but for what most people would use it for, including myself, I just don't need it. Right. Like, I mean, it's, you know, if they want to give me one, awesome. I don't think they will. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. It's, it's really just asking yourself, you know, do I really need it? Or is what I've got good enough to do the job? Well, and I like to remind people, like people were paying us 
the same amount of money roughly back when we were shooting with the 12 megapixel camera as they are now when we're shooting with the 32 megapixel camera so it's sort of you know they like the photos then they like the photos now like sort of a, a wash yeah absolutely the only thing I find it's a little easier when I'm stretching that to a full spread in my wedding albums. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> do you do a lot of wedding albums? Not really. Um, occasionally, but like a lot of my, so a lot of my clients are not from anywhere close to where I am. So <laughs> it's kind of, it can be a bit of a nightmare trying to do like album design and, and shipping it to them. But I switched my gallery um, last year to pick time. Mm-hmm. And now they have the option. So depending on where my clients are in the world, I set it, their galleries up with um, one of the print labs that's in their country so that they don't end up paying like insane shipping costs. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I get a few album sales coming through, but to be honest, I don't really push them. Um, but for me, I kind of always just, I made my pricing model based on digitals only. And if I got print sales, then that was a bonus, but I kind of didn't, I haven't really factored it into my pricing model. So I don't need to make extra sales because mm-hmm. I kind of hate that part of it. <laughs> I feel you on that. Yeah. yeah. Trying to sell yeah. prints is always, it's not, it's not something I do. <laughs> yeah. No, me neither. And it's like a lot of my clients are just like, oh, you know, we maybe want like one big one to print on the wall. Um, But I mean, I do think photo albums are really important, but I also know that like from my own wedding pictures, we've got an album, but it's, it's in a drawer. Like, Mm -hmm. okay. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) A keepsake drawer. (laughs) If we are going to look at our pictures from our wedding, then we will get the album, not like the pictures on the computer because it is nice and looking through a book, mm. but still like how often do we actually ever look at our wedding pictures? Mm. Like, uh, you know, we, we the look, <laughs> well, the ones that we've got like framed, those ones we do, we have no choice. They're just there every day when we walk past them. Reminding you of your blissful happiness. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Reminding my husband of the biggest mistake he ever made. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Nice. No, he's fine. Copy. He's got a good sense of humor. He's he's all right. He like he's a glut for punishment, so it's all good. <laughs> so how long have you and your husband been married then? Five years. <laughs> Five years. Were you yeah. already shooting, like doing photography, when the two of you got married, or was this back when you were still working your good job, or or your uh, high paying job? I think <laughs> um, it was in between. So no, I I had never picked up a camera before we got married. Um, my first introduction to wedding photography was our own wedding and mm-hmm. looking for my own wedding photographer. Um, no, before that, so when I met my husband, we were both ski instructors. Oh, cool. Um, so that's how we, we met. And then he was, so he's from the Netherlands. So he's also not Austrian. Um, but he was coming to Innsbruck after the winter season to study his master's. Um, and so I kind of just tagged along basically after the winter Mm. season, I was like, I'm going to stay. So I did like a few years where I would, uh, ski instruct in the winter and then in the summer I'd be a tour rep and then not wanting to do like seasonal work anymore. I then switched to working in a hotel and that's pretty much what I did, um, up until I started photography. And then for the first kind of 
two years into my photography business, I did part-time working in a hotel as a receptionist and the rest was building up my business. Mm -hmm. So my business is, yeah, four, well, yeah, four years old. Wow. Yeah. It's really nice. impressive. Your work's really, really good. It doesn't look like somebody who's been shooting yeah. for just four years. You made a lot of strides in a very well, short amount of time. She, she probably uh, doesn't have like a lot of bad habits that a lot of old veteran photographers have to yeah. unlearn. I have no idea. I'm probably, I've probably got loads of bad habits. I've just, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I've just kind of learned to do stuff my way. That's and, um, best habit. Yeah. And I kind of always, you know, use the excuse as well that I usually have pretty nice backdrops to work with that kind of maybe distract from <laughs> like the technical side of stuff, but I'm not a very technical photographer anyway. Like I understand exposure and all of these things, but you know, I think that's also a big change with moving from DSLR to mirrorless is that with the EVF, you kind of just look at your settings and you look at the screen and go, well, actually like that's pretty good. Like, mm -hmm. That'll do. <laughs> Yeah, that's been the biggest uh, change up for us from yeah. moving to mirrorless is that factor is like, wait, what I see is what I'm going to get. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is pretty good. It's also great. That that was always the the thing that I hated most was, you know, moving from if you've got something fast moving on a wedding day where you're going from indoors to outdoors or you've got like clouds coming in and out. Like when you when you had the the DSLR just kind of hoping that you were changing your um, your exposure quick enough with the changes and now with the mirrorless so you can already go oh it's starting to go a bit darker let me just like <laughs> shift stuff around yeah uh, yeah it almost makes it too easy like i feel like i'm cheating <laughs> i think i don't know i mean it's yeah i do sometimes think now like uncle bobs sometimes at weddings have bigger cameras than i do um <laughs> but i kind of like that because i'm just like well you've got all the big gear but i reckon my pictures are probably still gonna turn out better than yours <laughs> right <laughs> yeah it's a kind of a smugness of like i don't need the biggest camera like yeah because i've had that before sometimes where you turn up to a wedding and you have got like an uncle bob with a 70 to 200 mm -hmm. and you're just like you're coming to a wedding as a guest with a 70 to 200 yeah <laughs> You know, or, I mean, or he's going to do some serious bird watching while he's there. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like an Uncle Bob who maybe is a professional photographer <laughs> as well. Or, or likes to think so. Yeah. We've had that a few times. We also, oh gosh, I had a wedding this last year where one, one of the uncles was a producer um, from Hollywood and just... Ooh every little thing during family portraits he's like are you sure you want to do it like this are, are you sure you don't want to do th th oh. this with the where the light is right now and i'm like no i'm absolutely certain this is how i want to do it <laughs> it's like yeah <laughs> the sun oh, is setting I and i have 40 people here i'm trying to put into position for the shot we're not moving to a new location <laughs> oh man yeah I, I had a couple like that actually where yeah, like someone will mention, I've never, or I've only had a couple where they've, they've had photographers, but yeah, who've been in like, in like, um, in the movie business or kind of like something within like the creative arts. And then you're kind of just constantly like, or for me anyway, I'm constantly thinking, are they judging me for all the choices I'm making right now? hundred percent. Like, do you, do you get a lot of like uh, photographers who are doing elopements and adventure like type weddings? Um, I've had a couple of photographers, yeah. Um, or I do often get 
or not necessarily just photographers, but people who are in this, yeah, fairly creative. Mm-hmm. Um, like the one that I just had that actually made me really nervous. She was like a photographer, but also like she's, um, she did a lot of like visual and graphic design. And she was telling me like during their elopement that, um, she, she was, she studied like director of photography for films at university. Mm-hmm. And so like, and they chose to elope in Norway where the sun was not going to rise um, oh, wow. And I was like, okay, so you're a photographer, so you know these are going to be grainy as fuck, <laughs> like <laughs> because I am shooting at the lowest ISO, probably about thirty two hundred. Like that's the lowest I'm going to go today, um, and uh, I was kind of really nervous about that. But they loved it, and they were like, yeah, no, it's all about the experience. It's fine. Like we love the grainy look. And I was like, good, because they're going to be grainy. Um, but like that kind of, you know, that makes me really nervous when you've got other photographers because like, yeah, you kind of think that you just like, well, I'm going to shoot it the way I shoot it, but I'm then constantly second guessing myself the whole time. Like, Ooh, would they have done it differently? But yeah. But then I realized no, actually, because they hired me because they wanted me to do it my way. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, working with other photographers is always, it's always weird. Like it's, it's a great honor. I think like, I don't know if, if you guys have the same thing, like, because, you know, as another photographer, it's like, well, they've chosen you. So they must like what you do, but then constantly you're kind of thinking like, but they've probably got their, yeah, their own way of doing stuff, their own way of seeing stuff. And if I'm interpreting their day differently, um, but I've never had any problems actually. They've often been like some of the funnest ones to work with mm-hmm. and actually the most low maintenance. <laughs> Yes. I get super nervous whenever Jen and my wife and I work with like a photographer and they always end up being our best clients, like (laughs) just the nicest people. I also get super nervous. You mentioned graphic designers. I get nervous with them too, just because I feel like they see things in a much different way than I do as a photographer. And like they're looking more at, I would say like lines and like the way things connect and stuff like that. And I'm looking more for like, the where the lights the best and stuff like that and so every once in a while like a graphic designer i'll get something like oh why don't we shoot here and it's like because if we shoot there like no one will be able to see you (laughs) yeah uh it's so funny i get this all the time as well so my husband is an architect Mm -hmm. um and occasionally i've had a couple of clients who've been in like that kind of area as well um and it's the same with those like it, not my clients as much, but my husband, sometimes he'll like look over my shoulder while I'm editing and he's like, Oh, your hips were slightly um, at an angle there. Cause if you look at the angle of the building, I'm just like, the couple is in the middle of the archway. What's the problem? And he's like, yeah, but if you look at this side of the building and that side of the building, and like, I'm just like, Oh my God. Like, seriously, I'm not sure anyone else would notice this, but then because he points out, then it makes me just like super like, oh, thank God for Lightroom and the like, the lines you can draw on now mm-hmm. that's straight and stuff. Oh, it's I use those quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The uh, straightening tools in Lightroom are incredible. So yeah. <laughs> would you say your husband is a benefit to your business or a detriment to your business? Yeah. <laughs> uh, a bit of both, <laughs> a bit of so, both. He definitely sees things that I probably wouldn't have noticed. So in that way, I guess, you know, he, um, he makes me, you know, the delivered photos at the end are usually possibly better than they would have been. However, I'm not <laughs> sure anyone would have noticed had I have not made those corrections. Um, but yeah. <laughs> you know. So have you found yourself shooting more architecture because of your husband? 
Um, I did a little bit and I think I see, I kind of see more shapes in things now than I used to. Also like within like natural environments, I, I'm definitely more aware of shapes, even like in the shapes of mountains and silhouettes mm-hmm. in trees and things. Um, so I, I look for shapes a lot in my framing, which I think is something that I kind of picked up on from, I think also just looking at architecture a lot. Yeah. Because like, as I've got loads of photography and travel books, he's got a ton of architecture books. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. Do you ever find yourself looking through his architectural books for any sort of inspiration or anything? Or um, No, but it's interesting, like you were saying, when you with like working with graphic designers and stuff, sometimes like we'll look through things and I'll like, we'll see a picture we both like. And it's always, for me, it's the lighting that always makes something like, mm-hmm. even if it's a really amazing building, if it's shot in awful light, I'm just like, Ugh. but then you can see like something that's could be even as a, as an architectural kind of thing, quite underwhelming, but it's lit like the lights just hitting it really nicely. And then you're mm-hmm. just like, Oh, that's really nice. Like, Interesting. Yeah. So you're teaching him to uh, appreciate lighting. Yeah. I mean, I think he appreciates it pretty well anyway. Like he's just got kind of, he's, he's got a good eye for stuff. I think that's kind of, it kind of, um, sucks sometimes. Cause like, I feel like I've trained myself more to see stuff and he just looks at stuff and he's like, well, that's really nice framing and nice lighting. And I was like, ah, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'll screw you and your natural gifts. Ugh. Yeah. So earlier you mentioned doing an elopement in Norway. How do yeah. you um, how do you market yourself to do elopements in like? Because you live in Austria, so yeah. I don't know. In my mind, I'm kind kind of like I assume most of the elopements that you do would be in the Alps in Austria and like the surrounding areas. Um, but how, how do you market yourself to do like the elopements in other places like far away like Norway? Um, yeah, so most of the stuff I do is within the Alps. Um, but yeah, occasionally like I have, I don't know, maybe like 20% of the stuff I do is further afield. Mm-hmm. Um, and the marketing kind of comes like a couple of ways. So like for me personally, if I kind of say, okay, I'd really like to go to this location. Um, so Norway was one of them for last year. Um, I kind of create like a, a plan of how I want to target that location. Mainly I do it via SEO. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll create like a couple of blog post resources or pages on my website that are kind of information guides on how to elope in Norway. Um, and you know, then also share some, some of the stuff on Instagram. I'll use like location hashtags, mm-hmm. you know, within it, even if it's not shot in Norway, I'll put, you know, hashtag Norway elopement or Norway photographer. Hashtag could to- have been Norway. Yeah, exactly. Um, hashtag dreaming of Norway. Yeah, exactly. To like those ones. Um, and then often it's kind of people then come through, either they found like the blog posts that I've written um, and they've kind of looked and seen like that. And I'm, I'm totally upfront. If I've not been there, I won't tell people I have. Um, but uh, yeah, so they'll kind of either find the guides and then send me um, like an email kind of, and then we get on the phone and we chat about it. Um, but a lot of them also like come through where I get couples who they may be just kind of toying with the idea of eloping and thinking about Europe and want to go somewhere kind of a bit adventurous and outdoorsy and like they'll find my Instagram and quite a few of them have, they've come through and contacted me 
because they've kind of followed the Instagram and they've liked kind of the stuff that I'm saying, like the message behind my Instagram, a lot of it. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So kind of, you know, they're, they're, this is kind of what I believe in and this is why I love doing elopements and this is why I think elopements are really awesome. Um, and a lot of people connect with me that way. And I've had a few um, clients over the last kind of year where they've come to me originally without kind of a fixed location. And then we've kind of chatted through what they want and I've kind of got, Oh, you know, maybe, maybe this is a good place to go. So like I had one uh, couple last year who originally thought about Switzerland and we looked at the kind of logistics of the location and they wanted to do like a multi-day hike. Mm -hmm. Um, And logistically it would have been quite difficult without having like mountain guides and things. Um, so I was like, oh, you know, maybe let's look at these locations. And in the end, you know, they picked one of those and the Norway one was a bit like that. They were like, oh, we really want to go to Norway because we want to see the Northern Lights, but we really don't have any kind of idea above that. And I was like, well, this is a place that I've been looking into that looks really awesome. Um, and so like, oh yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's go there. So it's, it's often kind of quite an organic thing um also so when i travel to places a lot of the places i want to shoot it's often places i've traveled to like personally like the faroe islands and kind of just fallen in love with them and then decided i want to go back and shoot um an elopement there so then i'll just you know use my own travel photos and just blog about how awesome it is and how everyone should you know go there and elope and then <laughs> people... almost probably take over the faroe islands and be like the exclusive photographer for that area <laughs> Yeah, there's yeah, there's not too many people. I'm I'm going to be back there again this year. Um, but that's one where I try not to shout about it too much because I'm also worried about it becoming the next Iceland. Because mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people comparing to it to be the next Iceland already. Yeah. And we have like a yeah. one of our friends who also does podcasts. He like <laughs> lives in the Faroes part time of the year and. He's been complaining a lot about there being a lot more uh, like landscape uh, landscape photographers coming through and doing workshops and stuff than there used to be in the past. And oh, it's really getting dark there, isn't it? Oh yeah, no, sorry, I just went into the kitchen to get some more oh. water as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, the sun just went down. <laughs> oh, but it is pretty dark now. I have I have all the lights on now, so it is the sun has gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah gone behind the mountains so it gets dark pretty quickly uh, Dustin was there anything else you wanted to ask before we answer some questions from Facebook <clears throat> absolutely I did um, I noticed on your website you kind of have like different levels of branding as far as like your different avenues of what you do um, and I guess I want to know kind of like what drove you to I guess separate things and um was it purely because you found yourself doing like more commercial work or more other things? And so you felt this need to sort of separate church and state with like your wedding photography and like everything else you've got going on. Or I guess I I think we have a lot of listeners out there that might find themselves in that similar position. Yeah. um, So it's more actually like, so the commercial photography site that I have, Mm -hmm. um, that is kind of quite old now in that I don't really use it. But when I first started, even though I knew that I really wanted to do weddings as my main uh, kind of stream of income, I had so many people saying to me, oh, you can't, you know, you shouldn't just do one form of photography, you should do everything. 
Um, and so I kind of was like, oh, well, okay, but I don't really want to. Um, so I kind of, <laughs> I kind of created that, the, the commercial website as a kind of, well, I really want to do the weddings, but like occasionally I was doing like architecture stuff for my husband's company or like personal branding things. And so I, I knew that I wanted to keep them separate for the wedding stuff. Um, and yeah, so I, I kind of put that on a second website and then kind of just still had on that commercial website, a link back to my main wedding website, which then really is my main website. And the only one with kind of in photography ways like that I use now. Um, but then I did start off. So I also run a, a wedding blog, um, and I started an education website as well last year. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's quite a lot of balls in the air. <laughs> yeah. That's why I was wondering like how you keep it all kind of keep it all straight, keep it all together. Uh, yeah, it's, it's usually the main focus goes into the wedding photography one and the other stuff kind of gets updated as and when, but this year, 2020 is my year of outsourcing. So this year is going to be looking at what stuff I can pass on to other people so that I can really kind of focus on the stuff that, that I want to be building more. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. What is the stuff that you think you want to invest in more? You don't have to share um, if you don't feel comfortable. But <laughs> No, I mean, for me, like, I'm super happy with where my wedding business is at the moment. And I kind of want to stick with that. So for me, it's 25 elopements is the maximum that I want to do each year. Mm-hmm. And then a few, like, smaller shoots. Um, and that is kind of the main kind of meat of my business. Um, but I would like to sort of this coming year start doing more education stuff. Mm -hmm. So last year I started mentoring, um, and I really enjoyed it. Last year I also ran my first workshop, which was a multi-day one here in Austria. How did that go? Um, It was awesome. Like really, really loved it. Um, And so like I would like to start kind of doing more of those things. Um, But then it means like to actually have the time to to really kind of do that because you know with the with the mentoring that I was doing, it was it's not just the time you're talking to the person on the phone. It's all the preparation beforehand to make sure that like you've prepared for the session as well so that it's beneficial for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, well, what can I do so that I can keep doing that stuff to a high standard? What, what can I get rid of? Um, mm-hmm. And so this year is going to be definitely a lot more about systemizing um, and, and outsourcing, like getting a VA and kind of getting help with, with a lot of the back end stuff. Cause I already outsourced my editing but there's definitely a need to outsource a lot more this year. Oh, cool. All right. We're going to do some Q&A now. Let's do some Q&A. But, but Steve. Uh, Dustin, do you want to pick something? Lanny from a random Facebook group asked the following. I just got a contact to do a Yeti hunt wedding. I'm not talking a Yeti-themed wedding. I'm talking a hike up into the mountains and try to kill a Yeti wedding. The couple are asking for a full refund if they don't actually shoot a Yeti during the course of the wedding hunt. What do I do? Um, (laughs) I don't know. We felt like this was Swiss Alps related. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Like or in your case, Austria Alps. Dress dress someone to like 
dress hire someone to dress up as a yeti and send them out to like be the bait to be murdered <laughs> send them out to be shot oh no i mean you can you know switch it for like paintball gun or something like or like put blanks in it so they think that they've shot them so you're creating a package to pull off like the greatest con yes exactly okay. hunting the most dangerous animal <laughs> A person or a yeti, we don't know. <laughs> I yes, love this idea. <laughs> that's that's uh, you, you see, that's where I think this is going. Us. I think wow. this is going. These people just don't want to pay for their adventure <laughs> elopement, so they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're hunting the yeti. If we don't get the yeti, we don't pay for the photos, right? And they're like, this is how we get our photos for free, <laughs> and the most absurd, ridiculous way possible. But I mean, if you want to run around the mountains holding guns like i guess right yeah i mean it, it seems extremely violent do they allow guns in austria um <laughs> see when i when i hear stories like this where people like want sort of a, a clause that allows them to get a refund in their contract like it always makes me want to like put the most ridiculous counter clauses in like okay fine i'll do that but if you die while we're on the mountain like i get all of your estate all of your money <laughs> like let's take this a step further like i also get your firstborn like <laughs> if, if you have a, a mountaineering accident and you fall off a cliff uh i get everything I get everything. Also, in the contract, I'm behind you always, every time when we're climbing up a mountain. Yes. I'm also the one in charge of all of the firearms. <laughs> uh, so, I feel like we helped out. Lanny? Lani? How do you pronounce that? L-A-N-N-Y? Lani? Uh, Rhoda from a random Facebook group writes in and says, I was shooting an engagement at a ski lodge and my camera stopped working on me. It was like negative five degrees at the time. I asked around and people said the battery probably got too cold. The wedding will be next year at the same time and same place. What do I do if it's that cold again? Yeah, so this is one I deal with all the time. Um, you need a ton of spare batteries and you have to keep them in... Yeah, in in jackets, in pockets, close to your body, so that even though the spare batteries are keeping warm. Um, and actually, a tip for if you are doing a wedding somewhere really, really cold, um, if you shoot with two cameras, have one with you outside and leave the second one inside. Because if anyone's ever shot a wedding outside in the freezing cold and then followed the couple inside, the first thing your camera's going to do is steam up. Mm -hmm. So having that second camera inside at room temperature means that that one's going to be good to go. So, yeah, I mean, if you're someone that usually shoots with primes, maybe shoot outside with a zoom lens and have a second camera inside with a prime one ready to go so that you don't have to worry about that too. But, yeah, batteries, they will die quickly in the cold. That's also one of the joys of mirrorless. They're going to die even faster. <laughs> um, so literally, like, yeah, the elopement I had in Norway, I had about 10 batteries, like, shoved in all of my pockets, keeping them warm. Um, just because I knew that I would get through batteries quite quickly. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, we did an elopement uh, last January, and it was frigid, and we had the same. We had only we had one camera that kind of stopped working on us because it got so cold. Yeah. And um, I haven't run into any issues this winter with the Sony's, but um, mm. yeah, we and had next to... winter you'll run into even less issues. 
every winter we go through from here on out, you'll have less and less issues with cameras dying because it's too cold. I mean, because it won't be cold. Yeah, we're we're heading for the heat death. So, well, uh, maybe. Yeah, we're all gonna die in a fiery hell pit. Which is why you soon. chose to live on a snowy mountain. Well, yeah. Well, I hope it's gonna be a snowy mountain pretty soon. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> So Sammy from a random Facebook group says, curious, what are your thoughts on putting swear words in your Instagram bio? I'm not talking full word, but say SH asterisk asterisk T or F asterisk CK, etc. Is it tacky? Is it silly? Or is it good for attracting the right clients? An example given documenting the SH asterisk T out of your wedding. I would definitely do it. If it's if it's you, if that's how you talk and if that's kind of how your clients are, then yeah, why not? I mean, I kind of I don't I don't have expletives I think in my Instagram bio. I possibly occasionally swear in my captions, but I kind of think that's probably a good way to ease your clients in because if you're the sort of person that swears all the time, um, if, if everything's squeaky clean on your Instagram bio and then you turn up at their wedding, you're like, oh, fuck, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> then uh, they might be just like, oh, oh, oh. oh this was a mistake. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, like, why not? Just be your, be your true self. <laughs> I think right. the only thing that would be tacky or silly would be censoring the words, like how they wrote it, like S-H and then like an asterisk and then a T. Like if if you're gonna do it, just say shit. You know, don't don't like censor yeah, the I shit. Don't know. Yeah, don't censor it. It depends which word it is, I guess. I mean, like I kind of, uh, I get it. Like I think it's kind of cutesy. Like it's a bit cheeky if you censor if you have S H star T kind of thing. It's almost like you're saying it, you're swearing, but you're kind of being a bit winky at the same time. Like you know, mm. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> it's also keeping it clean for the kids, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Family friendly. That's right. <laughs> so you could take it a step further, though, and you could just put, you know, you could do asterisk the whole word out. And <laughs> Let them fill in like, the blanks. Yeah, exactly. You're letting <laughs> your client choose uh, that maybe they just meant to put darn it. <laughs> so go either way with that one. Yeah. Mackenzie from a random Facebook group asks, curious, what is the etiquette when shooting photos alongside another videographer? Does a videographer take lead? Does a photographer take lead? Who is in charge of posing the couple? How does the positioning for the first kiss go or anything else you can think of? Ah, this is always a fun one. Um, I don't shoot alongside videographers that often. I think the thing is with elopements, they want it to be simple and intimate. So then to have like a photographer and a videographer, like you end up suddenly being more wedding like vendors than the cup, than people getting married. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly for me, whenever I do work with videographers, um, I always make sure I speak to them before the wedding. Like if I can't chat with them, like I always drop them an email before I just kind of say like, you know, Hey, how do you work? Like what stuff do you shoot on? Like, do you shoot wide? Do you shoot like you stand really far back, but like on a massive zoom lens kind of mm-hmm. like, and you just kind of kind of saying to each other, you know, like, okay, this is where I like to shoot certain things from. Um, and how does that work with how you work? Cause at the end of the day, you're both being paid to do the job. Like the couple hasn't said, Oh, you know, 
you're more important than the other one. Like, or general, actually, I've had that once where the couple said to me, our photography is more important than the video thing. It's just a bonus. Um, <laughs> I think the parents paid for the video. Um, but, you know, generally, like, for me, it's always, I'm always kind of trying to think, okay, well, don't be an asshole. Like, I need to get my shots. But I know that the videographers also, they need to get theirs. Um, usually we end up kind of doing some weird dance where like I crouch down low and they like rest their camera, like above my head kind of thing. So that we've both got the same angle. Cause I'm pretty short. So it works usually. Um, but I think, yeah, it's just, you just have those conversations. Um, I like that you're just it, a human tripod for them though. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know my place in life, um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's also like when it comes to directing the couple, like I would always kind of say, you know, I'll get the couple to do what I want them to do. And then if you want to come in afterwards and, and, you know, get them to do something else, feel free. Um, the worst is actually when they don't, like I'll be directing the couple and the videographers just kind of shoot the whole time. And I'm like, okay, do you want them to do anything now? And they're just like, no, that's good. And I like, I feel like maybe I, it makes me feel guilty because I think I've taken up all of the time um, mm -hmm. when usually I think, I'm sure it's just the videographers going, no, it's fine. We've got, we've got enough stuff, but it makes me feel like I'm the real bossy one. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's always that thing if you need to get what you need, but also just making sure that, yeah, you're not being the asshole and letting them get what they need to. And it's just about having conversations. Do you ever shoot video as well as shooting photos or no? No, only photos. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard too many other photographers who try to do both complain that they've missed certain moments because they decided to switch to video for something. Yeah. And then the couple's like, oh, do you have a photo of that? And they're like, oh, I could do a screen grab. But no, I was doing video for that point. So I'm just like, I don't want to have those conversations with people. Yeah. So I'll just stick to stick to the one thing I know how to do and do that properly. <laughs> I love that. So when when you said earlier that you call the videographer and like go over a game plan, do you ever have a videographer that said, don't, don't worry, Kat, like we bring three videographers with us. So <laughs> don't worry tight, wide. We got it all covered. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had occasionally where they're like, Oh, don't worry. We, we work with multiple cameras. So we'll have like three tripods set up and I'm just like, okay, well, I mean, at one point I've, may stand in front of one of them but then i also then don't worry because i'm just like well i mean they'll have got two other angles if i'm blocking one of them so that's fine <laughs> but yeah. yeah i mean with elopements yeah you don't tend to get that too much because it's such a small affair that if the couples booked a videographer they probably would know if they were going to have three of them turning up um, yeah. usually it's just it's just one it's one of me and one of them occasionally too yeah do you ever bring a second person like ever? Mm, I occasionally bring my husband. Mm. Mainly like if it's like a multi-day hiking trip and he can get off work or if it's to a really cool destination where we've not been before or somewhere we like going like the Faroe Islands, um, then he tends to come along too and we make it a holiday and he gets given a camera and he can <laughs> make all the straight line architecture pictures Thank where you. the all the lines lead in the right directions and I'll take the artistic <laughs> shots. He's like, I will take your 14 millimeter, please. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's so occasionally, occasionally like I, I met my husband do a few shots just to kind of make him pay for his airfare. Um, but otherwise I shoot alone almost all of the time and I like it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm a loner. <laughs> you mentioned earlier, kind of like talking your couples through where they're going to get married. Do you, um, 
do you help out a lot with the planning and like do you find like an officiant or a celebrant or anything like that for them as well or um yes and no so i do like the way stuff is here certainly in austria um i can't legally book anything for them i can kind of give them names i can give them recommendations uh same with like location suggestions so i will kind of suggest locations that i think will be really nice for their ceremonies for their photos based on what they've told me they want the day to look like um so i do kind of have quite a lot of creative input in in a lot of the locations that we go to um and yeah i will suggest to people like vendors that i've worked with before in the same areas um but it's pretty much like here's some names of people here's a list of locations that we could go to like now this is up to you to decide what you want to do kind of thing mm. oh that's awesome i think uh i think that's probably going to do it for us this week on the wedding photo hangover cat where can people find you online um I have, so my homepage for my wedding photography is wildconnectionsphotography.com. Um, and the education site, which is slowly getting built up is adventureweddingacademy.com. Mm -hmm. And then, um, Instagram wild connections photo or adventure wedding Academy. And the same for Facebook as well. Not that I update Facebook very often as don't think anyone does these days. Does anyone? <laughs> No, it's Facebook. Yeah, I waste a lot of time in Facebook groups, but I don't actually post very much on like Facebook these days. So. Hey, it's all right. Facebook owns Instagram. Yeah, it's fine. They're still getting our money somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today on the Wedding Photo Hangover, Cat. It's been awesome talking to you about this stuff. Uh, Dustin and I don't do a lot of elopement type photography. Because uh, there's not really any places people want to elope to around us. So uh, it's always a joy when we can talk to somebody with experience in something we're not very familiar with. So thank you so much for providing that for us and for our listeners. Oh, you're welcome. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Kat. Is there, any, is there anything you want to tell our listeners? You have the mic. This is your opportunity. <laughs> oh, God, oh, that's a lot of pressure. That's what um, we're here for. Maybe just recommend something you watched or read recently. Um, doesn't doesn't oh, have see, to be I'm, a lot of pressure. I, I that, That's pretty boring. Like, I don't read very much at the moment. I am reading just, like, business books. My morning routine is – my New Year's morning routine is to start by reading for half an hour every morning. Wow. But actually, it's a really awesome way to start the day. So that, I guess that's a good tip. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm currently reading the E-Myth um, which is pretty good. What's what's that one about? I've seen it, but I've not actually picked it up. Um, yeah. So the E-Myth is a book about why most small, small businesses fail. Um, and Sounds yeah. So, joyful. Yeah. Um, but it is actually like, it's basically saying that like we, we have kind of different personalities and most people who start a business, they're focused on like the doing part of the, the main job of their business, but forget that they also need to be a manager, but they also need to be like an entrepreneur and that they need to like forward plan. And so it's, it's how to not fall into the, the pitfalls of why most small businesses fail by kind of only focusing on like the, the doing part of your job and not the other sides of it too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I've only just kind of about a quarter of the way through, so still got a lot to learn, but right. it's a pretty good book. So, um, yeah, recommend that. But definitely, like starting 
starting your day before you check emails or look at your phone, just like half an hour of reading um, is a really nice way to kind of start and get kind of motivated for the day, I find. Bye, Dustin. Bye, Kat. Bye. <laughs> to another episode of the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast. If you love the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to connect, we're at Wedding Photo Hangover on Instagram. Dustin is on Instagram at Dustin underscore McKibben, and Stephen is at Stephen Van Elk. If you want to join the awesome community of listeners that contribute to the show every week, join the Wedding Hangover Facebook group. If you want to keep this podcast alive, though, head on over to stephendustinsavetheworld.com and you can sign up to support the pop. And you can sign up to support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. On top of the benefit of knowing you're keeping a good show going, because we got a good show going here, you also get the benefit of extra content, like outtakes from episodes and uh, our weekly Stephen Dustin Save the World podcast, where we answer more Facebook questions. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time your head is pounding. Your limbs feel like dead weight, and your entire being aches for the sweet embrace of death. That's right, next Sunday after you shoot another wedding. Dave, are you okay? Sound like you had like zero energy. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I'm, I'm energyed out. I'm tired, dude. Tired. Been sick all week. You, yeah. you've been sick all week too. Uh, mine, mine was like bad for like two days, and now I'm just like I'm finally like on the upward downward slope of recovery Mucinex combined with Airborne is my regimen and that's helping? yeah the Mucinex um, is helping to thin the mucus which everyone wanted to know about and um, it's helping me be able to breathe which is helping me be able to sleep overrated which is helping me just have a more functioning life all those things are overrated. But yeah, gotta gotta get skadootin here soon to go shoot um, some real estate. Oh, fun times! All right, bye, later, bud. Bye. Hire someone to dress up as a yeti and send them out to like. Wedding Photo Hangover was edited this week by Steve Van Elk of Bespoke Tone. Go to Bespoke Tone for all of your photo, video, and audio editing needs.